Amen. All right, today we're starting a new series entitled Reach. Our vision in this house, we are a church that loves, reaches, and equips in order to train people, equip people to love, reach, and equip. It's our circle of life. We love people, we reach people, we equip them to love others, to reach others, to equip others. And so we're in this series this month, Reach. Calvary is a soul-winning church. I speak that over you. We are a soul-winning church, and we are a discipling church. We don't just see people praying prayers. We see them being discipled into the image of Jesus. Amen? We are a missions-sending church. Amen? It's part of reach. We are a soul-winning church. We're a discipling church. We are a missions-sending church. So today I've entitled my message, Can I Get a Witness? Come on, can I get a witness? Hopefully you brought a handkerchief to church because I want you to wave it at me while I preach today. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, would you please? Acts chapter 1. Jesus speaking, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into the clouds while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. So Jesus is giving his disciples one final charge here before he ascends to heaven. And he says, hey, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but you've been filled for a purpose. Do you know you were not filled with the Holy Spirit simply to feel good? You were filled with the Spirit to do good. And he says, you will be my witnesses. And he begins to talk about their local region, you know, Jerusalem, Judea. kind of goes out a little bit further, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So we're here to be a witness in our home. We're here to be a witness in your job. We're here to be a witness in Orlando. We're here to be a witness in Florida. We're here to be a witness in the United States and around the world. Don't you love that? I love that Jesus has sent us to be his witness, and then he was taken up. But, you know, for years, I kind of separated the book of Acts from the end of some of the Gospels, but they actually fit really nicely together. To kind of even unpack that ascension commission there a little bit, then you can also add to it Mark chapter 16. So would you go over to Mark chapter 16? Because it's all kind of the same conversation just recorded from different individuals, but Jesus begins to talk about us being a witness a little bit more. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Here it is again. Go into all the world. See, those are two, it's the same conversation from different people hearing it and recording it, right? Go into all the world. Preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak with new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. If they drink anything poisonous, it will not hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. When the Lord had finished talking to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of God. See, it's the same, same time frame. He ascended, and while he was ascending, he was saying these things. So we see in Jesus' commission that he calls us witnesses, and then he lets us know that you're filled with power to do that. So he's not just telling you to go in your own strength or to go figure out on your own or to go try to just do this with your own talents and abilities. He's saying, I've empowered you to do this. 
There, I don't want you to see this today because sometimes we don't focus enough on this. You are anointed to be a witness. You are. Sometimes we, we look at evangelists and people who seem to have this real elegance and skill to that. You know, they, everywhere they go, they get the waiter saved. They get the bus driver saved. You know, they break their leg. The doctor is getting saved while they're fixing their leg, you know, and you're like, You and I, all of us, are anointed, which means God has given us a special ability to speak His good news to other people. You're anointed whether you feel like it or not. Isn't it great that the anointing isn't because we feel anointed? It's because God's giving it to us. Amen? There is something special when you begin to share your story, when you begin to share about Jesus. Whether you feel it or not, there is something in the unseen realm that begins to open up other people's hearts, that begins to soften them, that begins to break chains on them. It doesn't always feel like a big revival service, but while you're sharing something of God, there's a power going with you to do that. You are anointed to be a witness. And so in both of these passages of Scripture, we see two things. One, we're we're commissioned to preach the good news, to let people know the good things God has done in your life, and you've been given special ability to do it. So you have the power and commission to preach good news, and you have special ability to do it. There's a scripture in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7, verse 22. Just write it down, because I want to speak this over you. It doesn't really relate to the can I get a witness thing, but I want you to see something about Moses. Do you know who Moses is, everyone in here? The Bible tells us about Moses, this in particular phrase. It says, Moses was taught in all the wisdom of of Egypt, and he was powerful in both word and deed. That's who you are. Your story, the gospel you preach, is powerful. You are powerful in your word, but you're also powerful in deed. You're powerful. You're anointed to do signs, wonders, and miracles following. You're anointed to live for God and to let your light shine before men so they can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You don't just talk about Jesus, you live for Jesus. But you also don't just live for Jesus, you need to start talking about Jesus. Some people say, well, I don't preach a lot. I just do good works. My friend, you need to do both. Sometimes that's an excuse. Come on now. You've got to love me because you're going to live with me forever in heaven. But sometimes we use that as an excuse. We're like, I don't speak a lot. They're going to see my witness through my life. That's, that should be understood. Your, your life should be a life that testifies you've been transformed. You've been changed. But at some point, you need to open your mouth and tell them the story. Tell them your story. Tell them what God has done in your life, the good things, the good news that He's done in your life. Amen? Your message. Today's about can I get a witness. I love the definition of the word witness. It means one who can give a firsthand account of something seen, heard, or experienced. You know, sometimes I think we put the idea of witnessing into this box of knocking on someone's door and there's this beautiful script that we follow and you challenge people to a certain decision and people, some people, they really respond well to that. Some people are really gifted in that. But I don't want to limit you to thinking of witnessing as that alone. A witness is someone who has seen something. If you're a witness in a courtroom, you're there because you saw something. Tell us what you have seen. Or you overheard something. Tell us what you have heard. 
or you've experienced something. Tell us what you've experienced. That is being a witness for Jesus. It's not about this perfect script for everybody. It's not about being a professional this or professional that. Just tell people what Jesus has done for you. Start talking again. Start sharing about how he changed your life. Start sharing about how you're different than you used to be. Start talking about God. Amen. Like, let him come up in your conversation. Brag on him. And you know what? He didn't just save you. How many of you know he's still doing things in your life every day? Start telling his good news. Sometimes we think of it as the Romans road alone, which those of us who have been in Bible schools and classes, you know what that means. It's, it's, it's going through the book of Romans and talking about making sure they know that they were a sinner, making sure that, you know, they need to accept Christ and they need to do this and they need to do that. There is a process and we'll get to some of that at some point. But my friend, tell them your story. Tell them how God has changed your life. Let your light shine. Amen overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. What has God done for you? You're a single mom and there's no way you can provide for all these kids, but yet God has brought you through. Tell that story. You lost your job and you didn't know how you were going to get another one and God brought you to a better place, a more prosperous place. Tell that story. You might even say I was, but Pastor Kevin, I don't want to tell that story because for the first six weeks I whined and I complained and I kicked on the ground and I thought God was going to fail me and he came through anyways. Tell that story. Why do we only tell stories when we're perfect? Come on. We're like, I don't want to let anyone know I had a bad attitude for six weeks and God blessed me anyway. No, they need to know that. Will you be vulnerable enough and let the world know that God's not looking for perfect people? He's looking for people. Come on. Tell your story. What have you seen? What have you heard? What has blessed you? That's being a witness. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes it's a good practice to make yourself thank God, to comb through your life and to begin thanking Him for everything He's been doing. Sometimes we just take it for granted that he didn't only just save you, but he's faithful to you every single day, every single year, in every single way. He has never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's never left you as an orphan. He supplies your needs according to his riches and glory. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken. Never have I seen his seen begging for bread. We've gone through some tough stuff. We know we have. Uh, we, I talked about that last week, where the Bible tells us um, that you know, things are trying to separate you from the love of Christ. So stuff is happening, but he's always come through and he makes a way where there was no way. There's no testimony without a test, right? There's no victory without a fight. But sometimes the reason we're not talking a lot about God isn't because God stopped taking care of us because we've stopped thinking about all the ways God's taking care of us because we haven't had a praise break in a while. We haven't had a, a, a worship thankfulness kind of time where you sat down and you listed to where he brought you up out of that sickbed, to where he kept your kids safe, to where he got you a scholarship, to where he brought you someone uh, when you were lonely and he brought you the love of your life, where he healed your marriage. Come on now. Where he healed your body, where your knees were in pain. Oh yeah, that was three years ago, but why? you know what? You haven't felt pain in three years. How about still shouting to God that you've been healed or delivered of that thing? Do you remember when you were all broken and you were all addicted to stuff and you're not dealing with those same things you used to be dealing with, but sometimes we forget and we haven't gone back. And so we have a story. We just forget about the story we have. 
Amen? And so sometimes the best way, one of the greatest catalysts to witnessing is to go back and begin remembering what God has done for you. See, again, sometimes we think, well, i got to be a witness. I have to be a witness. And there's this have-to thing. And you try to put in a box of how other people, you know, are evangelists and they go door to door. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that's fine. But listen, you're putting witnessing in that stringent box of what that means. But being a witness means telling people you've experienced something, you've seen something, you've heard something. That's it. Simple. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. So go start telling the stories of what Jesus has done in your life. You know what that does? It awakens hope in those who don't know God. As much as they want to whine and complain and say, I don't believe in God, he's not real, my true belief is this, in the back of their heart, they really hope God is real. They've been hurt, they've been let down, they've been disappointed. But I think all of us, if everyone was really honest, there was this desire of like, man, I really wish God was real. I wish there is, was a heaven. I wish eternal life was real. I wish this life wasn't all there was. Are you understanding this? And so when you begin to talk about this God that's engaged in your life, that's active and a part of your life, it begins to awaken hope in their heart that perhaps God is real. You're bragging on God. You're bragging on Him. Amen? And it's it's right there in the front of your heart. You know, I, can, I talk about my kids a lot. I talk about my, my relationship with my wife a lot. I talk about things I'm in love with a lot. It comes out because it's natural. It's easy. It's on the forefront of my heart. That's where we're going in witnessing. That it's not a duty. It's not just some responsibility. But that this living, active relationship you have with God is alive. And it's consistent. And it's not just that God did something 40 years ago. My friend, God is still your God today. And he's still speaking. And he's still your good shepherd. And he's still your ever-present help in your time of need. Take some time and be grateful. And begin to see God moving in your life. And begin to get excited about that. And begin to let people know you're excited about that. That is being a witness. Amen. Amen. Genuine enthusiasm instead of obligation. It comes out naturally. I just talk about God because he's doing stuff. You know, we have a story about how God brought us here supernaturally to Orlando and how God provided for us and God got us a home and, and God opened up the doors for even us to be the pastors of this church, which still overwhelms us. Like, God, who are we? that you would let us do this and pastor this great church. We have this beautiful story, and we share it, not for our sake, but because it brings faith in other people's lives. We were in the bank when we first moved here, and we were talking to the lady that was setting us up with our bank account, and the story is always this. So what brought you to the area? And we're like, I had a dream from God. (laughs) And she's like, excuse me? Like, well, all right, we're getting into this. Whee! I had a dream. We laid down this, this church, and God did this, and this, this. And here's a lady that does not attend church. And in the bank thing, in the bank office, she goes, I feel chills, feeling tingles. See, it was awakening hope in her that God is real and that God does those things. It wasn't this, well, let me lay it out. You know, Romans chapter this, and are you, and if if you died today, would you, what would you tell God right now? There's a moment for that. There's a time for not, not with that, like, attitude, but you know what I'm saying. There's a moment for that. (laughs) 
But start by just telling your story about God being alive. Tell them what you've seen. Tell them what you've heard. Tell them what you've experienced. Amen. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? You know, Jesus did that to, to John, or yeah, to John the Baptist. Go to Matthew chapter 11 in your Bible. I got a lot of scripture for you today. Is that okay? A lot of Bible for you today? Good. Matthew chapter 11, verse 2 through 5. Here's this moment where John the Baptist, he's a figure in the Gospels if you're not familiar with the New Testament. It's totally fine, but you'll catch up as we kind of go. John the Baptist is a prophet of the Old Testament. He's here in the New Testament. He's in prison right now. Uh, This is not John, one of the apostles. This is John the Baptist, okay? There's two different Johns. He's in prison, um, and he's discouraged. And he begins to doubt or question whether or not Jesus is the Messiah, which means he's the one sent by God, the Savior of Israel, you know, the, the prophesied one, all these things. You know, and there's a lot of people in this world that they've heard of Jesus, and maybe at one point they had a faith in Jesus, but over time, because they find themselves in difficult places, they begin to question whether or not he's alive or he's the Messiah. You might have been there at some point. There's been times in all of our lives, I think, where we've questioned. And so John, in this moment where he's discouraged and he's in prison, he's facing execution, uh, John the Baptist, verse 2, who was in prison, heard all about the things the Messiah or Jesus was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Think about that level of discouragement for a second. John the Baptist was the first one by the Spirit of God to identify Jesus and to say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John's the one that said, I saw the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descend like a dove upon Jesus. Come on. He heard God and all this stuff. You're my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. John, two in two places, identified Jesus and said, that's the Messiah. That's the Lamb of God. That's the one we've been waiting for. But now John is in prison facing death and he's discouraged, and he's doubting if Jesus is who he says he is. Now, that should hopefully give some of us peace in the room, too, that you might have been, you are a champion, God has used you, but because of a moment of discouragement, because of disappointment, because you find your place in life uh, being in a very difficult moment, there's these questions that go on. And you know, when you're, when you're sharing your faith out there and you're witnessing out there in the world, there are people who've never heard of Jesus, And there are people that have heard of Jesus and never done anything about it. And there are people who even used to serve the Lord, but they've grown cold in their heart or they feel like they failed or somehow they've gotten discouraged and they begin to question what they already knew. And so all these things and more, there's more categories of people, but John is in this place that you might find some people at your workplace. You might find some people in your neighborhood, even some of your family members. They know who Jesus is. They know who Jesus is, but they're just discouraged and they're scared and they're fearful right now. And notice what Jesus does. I love this. He says, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Verse four, Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and tell him what you've seen. That's a witness. He says, tell him what you heard, tell him what you've seen. The blind see, the lame walk. Those with leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. (laughs) 
Jesus didn't sit there and say, you need to go back and beat John the Baptist with the book. You go beat him up. You go tell him I'm ashamed of him. I'm so disappointed in his lack of faith. I'm so disappointed in him. No, he said, you know what that guy needs? He needs a witness. He needs a witness in his life. Someone that can tell him what they've seen, tell him what they've heard. Amen? So when they go back and they report that to John, faith would rise. Hope would rise. He would begin to know who Jesus is because the witnesses came back and testified of what they saw and heard and experienced. Isn't that great? You don't need to go beat people up out there. You go tell them what you've seen. Tell them what you've heard. Tell them what you've experienced. Amen. And God will begin to open their heart. God will begin to raise hope. God will begin to open a path for you to then share how to give their life to Jesus. Acts chapter 26. Go to Acts chapter 26. In Acts chapter 26, you see Paul starting with his story. This is a whole chapter, so I don't know if I'm going to get an opportunity to read you the whole chapter because that's a lot of reading for you to pay attention to me reading. But let me tell you this story. So here Paul, he's one of the apostles uh, of the New Testament. He wasn't one of the 12 disciples, but he was later on born again. He gave his life to Jesus, became an apostle. He's in prison. <laughs> All these guys are in prison. He's in prison. And he's about to testify in front of King Agrippa. Okay? And what Paul does in his testimony is he tells his story. He begins to talk about, in verse 4, the Jewish leaders being well aware that he was trained in their ways from earliest childhood. He begins to talk about how he was the strictest of Pharisees or religious leaders, and he was, he was really strict on how he obeyed the law and, and what he saw was right and wrong, and he was pressing in to be the best Jewish person and Jewish leader that he could possibly be. Uh, he said, I used to believe in verse 9 that I thought to do everything I could to ab- oppose Jesus. See, notice Paul is telling his story of where he was, of his old way of thinking, his old way of living and believing, and now he even talked about some of the dark places in his story of how he was opposing and arresting and tearing apart families who believed in Jesus. He even stood by at the execution of Stephen uh, when he was the first martyr of the church, and Paul begins to just share his story in front of the king, in front of King Agrippa in this moment. He talked about in verse 11 many times Um, He would pursue Christians uh, and and, and try to get them to curse Jesus. Then he says, one day, in verse 12, on such a mission, he was going to Damascus, he was armed with authority and commission and leading priests. About noon, he says, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions, and we all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord, I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me. Tell them what I will show you in the future. Notice, he's telling them how to be a witness, what you've seen, what you've heard. And I will, re- will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles. Those are the non-Jewish people to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Then they will see forgiveness of their sins 
and be given a place among God's people who are set apart for me by faith. So King Agrippa, I obeyed the heavenly vision. Notice, Paul is sharing his story about his experience, about what God has done in his life, what God spoke to him. And remember, he's speaking to a king who doesn't know God. Don't forget that. Sometimes we we forget the context. He's in a courtroom with kings and leaders and important people, and you think to yourself, what sermon should I preach? What, What strategy should I do to tell these people about Jesus? Just tell your story. Tell your story. And even in telling his story, did you see here, even in him sharing his story, he begins to talk about to open people's eyes from darkness, bring them to light, to turn from Satan. They need to receive forgiveness of their sins. Do you see what I'm saying? He's, he's throwing the need for Jesus in there as he's just sharing his story. It comes out naturally. Isn't that awesome? King Agrippa, at the end of this whole thing, he actually asks him, he's like, Paul, are you trying to make me a Christian? Because he could feel it. He could feel the tug in his own heart. But yet Paul wasn't sitting there jamming it down his throat. He was just telling the story. He was just being a witness of what had happened in his own life. Amen. Mighty in words and in deeds. Mighty in words and in deeds. I do give you one warning This begins to help us pay more attention to what we are talking about on a daily basis, right? Are you speaking about all your problems and all your crises, or have you trained yourself to see God in your life and to begin talking about Him? Because you're being a witness. Are you witnessing about what the devil's doing, or are you witnessing about what God is doing, right? If you find yourself talking more about problems, you're preaching the problems, But we all face problems, but we can talk about God's faithfulness in the middle of it. And even if you're currently in the middle of it and you haven't seen His faithfulness yet, that's the beauty that you can pull back and get faithfulness from a past season and know that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so even in the middle of your current situation, you can preach of God's faithfulness and you know that the one who saved you there is going to save you again. He will never leave you or forsake you. You don't have to preach the devil's gospel. You preach God's gospel. You preach his good news. Amen. So pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth because you're sharing a story every day. How do you share your story? And I'm going to get into some actions here real quick. How do you share your story? Lots of ways. Um, You can share it person to person. Share your story person to person. You know, there's a a picture. I love this picture in the book book of Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, go, go to Acts chapter 8, just a couple pages over. You can share your story person to person. Acts chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. This is talking about Philip. Um, he was sharing. He was an evangelist. God brought him into that identity. He wasn't one of the disciples, but he became just this mighty person telling people about Jesus from city to city. God used him as an evangelist. Um, but if you look in verse um, 26, the Lord told Philip uh, to go south down to the desert road, run, which runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. He started out. He met the treasurer of Ethiopia, who was a eunuch of great authority. Uh, the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He was now returning. He was seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. Pause there for a second. Well, actually, read just a little bit more. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. 
And then he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? I love this picture because Philip obeyed the Spirit of God, and God said, go down to such and such a road, and link, and, and, and he did, and then he saw this Ethiopian going by, and he felt a connection to go walk with that person for a while. And that's what I wanted to say. Like, how do you share your story? How do you become a witness? There are people at your workplace, there are neighbors, there's even family members, uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, all kinds of things. And the Holy Spirit's going to tell you, go walk with them. Like, connect yourself to them. And I love this image because it wasn't like he just went and started preaching. He like walked along and listened. And as the Ethiopian began to read out loud, Philip knew exactly how to ask the right question at the right time. He knew how to share his story or how to be a witness in that moment. And I think it's important that we can link in with people's lives and sometimes we have to walk with them for a little while. Amen? Sometimes it's not just like knock on someone's door, hey, blah, 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 slam the door, and then you go on to the next one. Again, I I make it sound like that's a bad thing. It's not bad. It's not bad to go door to door. I think that's great for some people who are called to do that. But I do think it's important that we let the Holy Spirit lead you into relationships with people, and you walk with them. You may go out to coffee with them five times, and you just be a good listener. You don't got to preach all the time. Amen? And as they go through life's challenges, you can share with them how God has been faithful in your life and use it as an encouragement that God can be faithful in their life too. And you just share. They share, you share. They share, you share. And you walk with them for a while, and then at some point, there's a door. At some point, there's a moment where God will give you that insight. He'll open that door. The Ethiopian did that for this guy. Philip just said, hey, do you understand that? And the guy was like, I really don't. And and the guy looks at Philip and says, come up here and teach me. Okay. Okay. Like, Philip didn't have to go jump on the guy's camel in the middle of the caravan. Like, let me in. I'm going to tell you. The guy invited him in. Isn't that powerful? Can you do that? Can you just love people and walk with people and listen for the door? Can you do that? Can you just let people know that God's doing good things in your life all along the way and there'll be a divine moment where God will give you a question and it'll open that door and then you take the faith and you just walk through that door? Isn't that awesome? Thank you for the three of you that are, I think that's amazing. <laughs> Amen. So mighty in word and in deed. I just want to talk to you about your action one more, just a little bit more. We talked about your words, your sharing your story, being a witness, your actions. You have been filled with power and ability. So I want to encourage you in this world to offer to pray for people more. Sometimes we're thinking of the right strategy to persuade somebody or to open them up. People are going through stuff. And you're anointed to reach heaven. Come on, my friend. They can't reach heaven. They can't go into the throne of grace to find help. But you can. So why can't we, if they're, if they're going through something, because remember, we're walking with them, we're having coffee with them, or if you like tea, you can have tea, whatever is better for you coffee, tea with them. You're just talking with them, and they're like, man, my, I lost my job. But you know they're not a believer. And you're like, my friend, Daryl, I just made that up. Daryl, I know you just lost your job. Would you mind if we pray together? I want to believe God for you to get another job. It has been very rare that someone told me no. 
Because even people who are hard and they are like, I don't love God, I don't love God. When I say, can I pray, they get a report from the doctor about sickness or something. And I say, can I pray for you? Very few have ever turned me down. There have been some, but very few have ever turned me down. So let's give God opportunity to do a miracle in their life. What if God, within the next three weeks, gets Daryl the best job he's ever had in his life? And so the next time you have coffee, he's like, man, I got this amazing job. This is great. And you're like, aren't you glad we prayed about it, Daryl? Isn't God awesome? And Daryl's like, oh, yeah. We did pray about that, didn't we? Are you seeing how this works? I know this seems simple, but it is simple. Share your story and pray for people. Ta-da! Wow, Pastor Kevin, that's brilliant. <laughs> well, share your story and pray for people. Even if they're not believers, pray for them. Let God do a miracle through you. Let God do something that demonstrates he's real in their life. You are connected to heaven. You are connected to heaven. Amen. So your actions are important. Act. Bring them food if they need food. Mow their lawn if they need help. Help watch their kids so they can go on a job interview. Actions. You're anointed supernaturally, but let's not forget the practical way to help people too. But I also don't want you just mowing lawns and watching kids and not asking them if you can pray. You're a spirit-filled church. Come on. You believe in the gifts and the moving of God's spirit. And he moves through your hands. You just got to take steps. Sometimes we're trying to take these big steps of faith, but sometimes little steps of faith are all that are required. Just praying for somebody. Are you understanding this? So yes, serve them, watch their kids, mow their lawn, help them, feed them. Be a great example of kindness and acts of kindness, but don't forget to offer to let God do something with signs following in that relationship with them. Take a risk. Ask if you can pray you're going to be impressed to see how many times God actually shows up. God loves them too. Do you know that? God wants them to know he's real. He's going to back you on this. And you don't have to be all like super prophetic or get all weird because you watch someone on TV praying for somebody. Like once you start praying for them, right, you're going to be like, oh, and God is going to do a miracle in your life. I can feel it. Please don't make a meme out of that. Last time I made a face like that, I was sent memes. I'll stop making faces. Listen, you don't have to change who you are to move in the gifts of the Spirit. Why can't you just hold someone and say, hey, can I pray for you about what you're going through? And they're like, yeah. And you actually keep the same tone that you have with them now. Why do we have to shift to another octave when we pray? Why can't we just be like, God, I pray for Daryl right now that you help him get that job, that you surround him with favor, that, God, you promote him and let him know that you love him and that, God, you see him and we agree together for that miracle in Jesus' name, amen. Done. God doesn't need the big show to do a miracle. God doesn't need a big show. Amen. You don't got to hype it all up towards all this pressure on you and on them. Amen. Are you getting anything out of this today? 
So obviously when we talk about your actions, you do want to live a life in front of them that honors the Lord. But how many of you know you're going to fail sometimes in your actions as well? Anybody? I'm watching you. Anybody know that? Look, then even in that, you can begin to talk to them and be like, man, I messed up. I lost my temper at work. You know, I apologize. I wasn't the greatest example in that area or whatever. Or sometimes even with, you know, with my family, I feel like I don't do it right, but God is, is good. That's part of your story. God's helping me be a better husband. God's helping me be a better dad. And so sometimes we put all this pressure on everybody, like you got to live right in front of them because they're watching you. The truth is, yes, they are watching you. But also show them the reality of what it means to have a, a Savior that never leaves you or forsakes you even when you fail. And so you just, yeah, you're right. I blew it. And I'm just, I don't like it when people say, well, you know, you know, we're not perfect. We're just forgiven. I don't like those kinds of phrases because our goal should be to live as godly and upright as, as God can help us and that we can, right? Our goal shouldn't have this excuse of, well, you know, we're all just sinners. Listen, I was a sinner. I'm a son now. Okay? Now, I may still sin, but that's not my identity, and that's not who I am anymore. And so, again, you show them what it means to be a son or a daughter. You may trip. You may stumble. But show them how your father knows how to pick you up out of that, dust you off, and you keep running. This is all part of being genuine and authentic. Amen? And if you don't know the answer to a question that they have, you just say, I don't know, but we'll find an answer together if you want to. You can be a witness. You are anointed to be a witness. You are empowered to be a witness. Tell your story. Offer to pray for them. Offer to let God move through you to do a miracle. Amen? Last thought. And I, I do, I'll close it. I, I really will. But I do think it's important because there is an urgency on this. As much as I want you to have this kind of peace in your heart about like, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. I also want you to know there's an urgency. Because if we don't share who Jesus is, if they don't receive Jesus as their Savior, according to the Scripture, when they die, it's done. Like grace is offered on this side of eternity. And so it's important. Sometimes I think we forget the urgency and the responsibility we have. We think it's about us sharing our faith. It is. We need to share our faith. But it's about their rescue. Did you know eternity is real? Heaven is real? And we in this church believe there is a real hell as well. People can argue all that and all this stuff, but we do believe that there is a real hell. And if people don't receive Jesus on this side of eternity as their Savior, then they're held responsible when they stand before God in judgment on that side of eternity for their own sins. But if you receive Jesus on this side of eternity, He becomes the sacrifice and the payment for all those sins. And so I don't want to forget why we have to do this. When we talk about missions weekend, that's not a little thing. It's not like, let's, let's make sure our missionaries have vehicles. Let's make sure that they have food and clothing. No, let's make sure they have all that, but that they can get to those who have never heard because if they don't hear, they're lost. Do we still believe that? 
So we can kind of have this casual approach to missions or this casual approach to sharing our, our story. We love these people, right? These are your brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, neighbors, and all these things. And you can love them all day. And sometimes people are like, I don't want to, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt, you know, their life. But if you really love them, why wouldn't we just brag on God and give them opportunity to hear what God is doing in our lives and possibly let God use that to bring them to Him? Because if we love them and we don't tell them and they die, their opportunity to know Him is gone. Their opportunity to receive His grace is gone. Are you understanding this? We just need to remember that sometimes and to let that kind of sink in. Let me just give you one final verse and we'll pray. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by opening the, openly declaring your faith you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But it goes on. It doesn't stop there. It says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? Do you see the responsibility there? You're like, oh, God loves everybody. And if you die, he's just this big, friendly, cuddly God. And stand before this cuddly God. If you don't call on him and believe in him before you die, according to Scripture, they're not, they're not saved. They're lost. They have to call on him. They have to hear about him on this side of eternity. Okay? How can they call on him to save them unless they believe, they need to believe in him on this side of eternity. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard? Amen? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Can I get a witness? This is God asking, can I get a witness? Can you tell them about how I'm alive in your life? Can I, you just tell them what I'm doing in your life? Don't try to be like somebody else. Don't try to mimic someone else. Don't, don't put yourself in someone else's category. You be the best version of you and you just let them know what I'm doing in your life and listen, walk with them and listen and I'll give you a door. I'll give you a door to pray with them. How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? So God sends you. We send missionaries. That's part of this month. That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.